Hello, friends. This episode is sponsored by the Augustine Institute. The Augustine Institute exists to help Catholics understand, live, and share their faith through initiatives like Amen, Formed, the Graduate School of Theology, Word of Life, and others. The Augustine Institute forms Catholics for the new evangelization intellectually, spiritually, and pastorally to renew the church and transform the world for Christ. The Augustine Institute's always free Catholic prayer app, Amen leads people deeper into prayer with guided meditations, sleep stories, the rosary, and much more. The Augustine Institute Graduate School of Theology equips thousands of students like Sister Miriam, Leah Darrow, and other notable alumni to know and live their faith in all aspects of their lives. Applications for summer and fall semesters on campus or online are open now. Millions of Catholics and their families are growing their faith at home and in their parishes with Formed, the Augustine Institute's premier streaming service for Catholic movies, children's programming, audio dramas, books, and more. And the Word of Life religious education curriculum makes catechesis fresh and exciting so kids can grow up with a faith they will keep for life. As Catholics, God calls us to understand, live, and share our faith. Learn more about how the Augustine Institute can support you by visiting AugustineInstitute.org. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hello, dear friends, and welcome to Season 12 of the Abiding Together podcast. We are so excited to be back with you for another season. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. And we have people from all over the world on this walk together, and you are most, most welcome. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I'm joined by two of my very dearest friends, Michelle Benzinger and Heather Kim. And we speak about what the Lord is doing in our life, the movements of the Holy Spirit, what is breaking our hearts, what is healing us, and where the Lord is leading us to deeper relationship with Him. So wherever you find yourself today, wherever that is, you are most welcome. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast. And first and foremost, we want to say Happy Easter. You know, like that's Easter. (laughs) Easter, the spring has sprung. And Heather, you were just saying that the weather is actually getting warmer in the Canadia, Canadia. Yes. I woke up early and I actually heard birds outside and I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Which up Mm. here, you know, in the Northwest, I I mean, I live in Vancouver, so it's very similar to Seattle. When you go through months of like dark and rain and clouds and all of that, and then all of a sudden those little birds start singing. I mean, it's like life just begins to, even in your own heart, spring up Mm -hmm. and I'm seeing it on the trees and all of that. So amen, bring it on. Let's go. Like we're all ready for it up here. Isn't that awesome? Hope springs eternal. I remember when I used to live in Seattle at St. Alphonsus Parish in Ballard, we would go outside and play, you know, we had rent a daycare after school. And about this time of year, there was this one tree that would always like bud forth like first. And I'm like, all right, buddy, come on. Like we can do it this year. We can do it. Like, I know you got it in you. You know, it's like, show me that it's going to come back again. (laughs) So true. Michelle, how are you, dear? Did you have any um, Jolly Ranch? Is it Jolly Ranch or Jelly Beans or is it Starburst Jelly Beans that are like? Starburst Jelly Beans. No, because I'm not eating sugar now. And I know it's a time of feasting and all of that. But dude, you know, like I'm kind of like, yeah, 
I'm just, I just don't have self-control when it comes to Starburst jelly beans. Mm-hmm. So I just have to say no. Yeah, like I, need probably a- to- I knew you were giving up sugar, so I didn't tell you, but I actually had them for the first time. I've never had them and I've looked for them because we don't have them in Canada. So I was in the States and I was like, oh shoot, there they are. I know because they're full of bad red dye and artificial <laughs> things. Your uh, country is, but yeah, whatever. But that's a whole other topic. So yeah. So go ahead, Heather. You had them. I had them and I thought of you every time. And I, and I was like, but I can't tell her because I know she's given up sugar. So I don't want to, I don't want any tell. Temptation to come in here. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, know. There and are so. different qualities of jelly beans. Can we just talk about jelly beans for a second? I mean, we never thought we'd talk about this on the, but there, it's not <laughs> it's our jelly entire be- topic today. We're going to talk about jelly it beans is. today, but like, <laughs> you guys need to get a life. Seriously, we're going to rank Easter candy today we, for oh, our top 10. That's yeah, not like, a bad you know, idea. what's the best things to get for an Easter basket? Oh, that's true. Exactly. Um, Cadbury mini well. eggs all the way. Let's be honest. I like the Reese's pieces, like the Reese's peanut butter cups, the peanut butter cup eggs. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> a dark chocolate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're totally digressing, but here we go. Yeah. yeah. That's and actually so. not what we're going to talk about today. We could, but we're actually going to talk about how to keep your children rooted in the soil of faith. And so we, we walk into a new Easter season and uh, somebody just is very interesting. Uh, two people who do not know each other both text me at almost the exact same time saying, you know, as Catholics, we don't do Easter very well. Like we do Lent really well, but we don't do Easter. And they were like, where are the Easter devotionals? Like, where are the 50 days of Easter where you walk it out in Easter? And how do we live in the resurrection? I mean, it was just really amazing. And I just was like, hmm, that's a word from the Lord, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we thought we'd talk today about just as we kind of walk into the Easter season and we're fresh, full of, chock full of the graces of Lent and what God is going to give us this Easter, which is a new season. It's not the same Easter season as it was last year, of what are some ways that we can you know, kind of journey together as a family and a especially in an area of children, now whether you have biological children or spiritual children, of how do we keep kids rooted in the soil of faith? So we're going to talk, uh, we're going to use two quotes from St. John Paul II as our guiding quotes. And one of them is from an address that he gave in Perth, Australia in 1986. And the other is his letter to the family. And he says this, as the family goes, so goes the nation. And so goes the whole world in which we live. The family is the center and the heart of the civilization of love and the first school of love, the first school of love. So, Michelle, do you want to kick us off talking about the first school of love or what stirs in your heart? And, you know, both of you guys have you guys have kids that are in their teens now, really. I mean, so kind of what do you what's on your heart? What do you want to share with everybody as we walk into these places? When we were discussing even doing this topic, we were just throwing out a disclaimer that we are very much sojourners on the journey with you, Mm -hmm. pilgrims on the journey with you, that we are not experts by any stretch of the imagination. We're trying to figure it out because it's a school of love. So the Holy Spirit is still teaching us. Mm -hmm. We're still learning. We're still oh, very much failing in some areas and need to grow in some areas. But Mm -hmm. I keep on coming back to this, especially in the last two or three years, when the Lord has just really made sure like that I'm more rooted in my home than I have been in others. It's not that I wasn't present in my home, but just this season, just knowing that our kids need just more formation. And one of the things the Holy Spirit has really convicted me of in the last couple of years is I was managing my kids well, but I was not forming them well. And there's a difference. I mean, there's some things that they picked up osmosis, but really being intentional about their hearts and their spiritual formation and their emotional formation, but more so even their human formation. Mm. I think that is a part that I'm realizing. And the conversations my husband and I have been having, we have two in college, one out of the house, like an adult adult, kind of, she's 23. And then we have two in middle school and one in high school. 
So we have in three different seasons. But one of the things that I think Chris and I have been really talking about is like, all right, how do we root them deeply into their faith and let them give them room to explore? But also, how do we just allow them to become their own person, but yet give them these boundaries, these, and um, we call it like bumper lanes, like in a bowling game, like we, we need to put bumpers up, guardrails up on a road or bumpers in a bowling game, but allow them to have exploration within these guidelines, you know, and it's not easy, you know, it switches and goes back. But really, we want them to be rooted in our family and rooted in their faith, but we also want it to be personal, mm-hmm. their relationship to be personal with Jesus, not our relationship not mom and dad's relationship, but their own personal encounter and relationship with the Lord. So how to foster that? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. So yeah, some of those are some of the questions that we can dive deeper into, but that we've been discussing at our house, but go ahead, Heather. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely not experts. I'm glad you said that. But yes, I sometimes feel like parenting is like making spaghetti and you throw a bunch of noodles on the wall and you wait to see what sticks, you know, you're just like Mm -hmm. constantly shifting and trying and adjusting because every child is different. But there are some things that are true that, that we can, I think that can be stakes in the ground. And I love what you said there, Michelle, about being intentional about the formation of our children, because I think sometimes we can depend maybe too much. Like we need a village and we need a community of people to help raise children. It's not Mm -hmm. just up to us. So I don't want to give that impression. At the same time, sometimes we can abdicate some of our responsibilities onto other people, Mm -hmm. whether it be a pastor, a Catholic school, a religious education program. And we think, well, yeah, they're getting that there. And I'm sure they are in some ways, but nothing replaces parents teaching their children about the faith, about who God is, mm-hmm. about prayer, about you know spiritual disciplines, about all of those things, like what a life with God looks like. And, and that's something that I realized, actually, I was doing that as well. Like if my kids were going to Catholic school, I was like, oh, no, no, they're getting this here. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, there's so much they're not they're not getting. And that's on me, you know, that I didn't see that coming. So that's a place that I've that I've learned. I think in general, trying to help our kids see that God from the very beginning, that God is real, that he's personal, that he that he wants to be in relationship with us. Mm-hmm. Like that has to be woven into conversation all throughout their formation. And then you put those stakes in the ground of like the sacramental life of the church and prayer time as a family and other types of things. But I'm glad we're talking about this today because this this comes up all the time when I'm talking with people. They're like, what do we do, especially now in the culture that we live in? How can we help our kids like stay connected to the faith and in deep relationship with God? And I'm like, whoa, good question. So glad mm-hmm. we're going there today. Yeah. What are some of your thoughts, sister? Yeah, those are those are great questions. And I, I could only imagine what it would be like to raise your kids in an environment like this. We were talking about us, you know, our we're all about the same age and really ours was like the last generation before the internet and you know, what it looks like now and just kind of the state of society. And Mother Assumpta, who was the founders of the Ann Arbor Dominicans, came to uh, Corpus Christi to give a day of like a, a talk and kind of a morning of reflection to all the sisters in the diocese. And and she she's actually taught first grade to the mother of one of our sisters. So when, oh, I wow. mean, and so, she, so the, the mm. sister, sister Claire had a picture of her mom when her, and it was the second grade class, but of her mom at that age. And here is, you know, one of her teachers that who was like that mother sometimes very first class of her entire teaching career. And she had 62 first graders. Mother sometimes had 62 first graders in her first grade class. And I'm like, could you imagine I mean, 62 first graders, just your first job, oh my gosh. <laughs> your first job mother. But I was thinking, you know, we were talking about it at dinner and I was just thinking of how, and I said it to mother sometime while we were there. I was like, 
kids today are so different. Like that would be such a different climate of kids that many years ago, you know, and then 62 first graders today and just what kids are facing today and kind of how society in many ways has disintegrated and what that would look like today. And it's like, and I mean, that's something that I hear very commonly at conferences of, you know, moms and dads, like, what do we do? You know, or moms and dads where kids have left the faith and we're not really sure what to do. And I, I just think I, I love that we're talking about this. And I also, I love that both of you, and that's something that I've learned from both of you, is talking about how do you, when your your kids are little, how do you introduce them to the Lord and their own relationship with the Lord, of how God speaks to them, of how God relates to them, that He loves them, not just vicariously through parents, I mean, He does, but He also loves them directly, and how do you awaken little hearts to the voice of God? How do you teach little ones to hear the voice of God and what Jesus is saying and, and his His beauty and his joy and how he corrects us and how he brings us closer to his heart? And so I, I think I just, yeah, the continued witness. And I, I mean, I'll turn it back over to you guys, but I just, the thing that keeps coming to me, and I know when I think about my own mom is my mom's personal witness. And I think mm-hmm. that's the the model always of kids, you know, kids are always learning. And even people we mentor, our spiritual children that we're meant, they're always looking at us like, do you really live what you say? And all of us, you know, have areas of hypocrisy where we're pretending to be something that we're not. And so hopefully our journey of holiness is bringing us into integration. But yeah, like what what kind of model am I giving? Like, how do I navigate those places in my own life? What kind of witness am I giving? Because I think that's, people always notice that first before anything else we say. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting just the timing of this because I think every season, like there's different seasons of parenting. There's seasons where you have them, you know, really little and that you're not sleeping or when you have toddlers or there's seasons where you're in every season. Like me, I'm in several different seasons with different kids. But I think for this fall, it was a real, there was just so much change all at one time and I was really overwhelmed but my third child left the house and he has more of just a more extroverted personality I mean he has a lot of life to him so I wasn't anticipating because I had this is my second child to leave for college within two years I wasn't I was like oh I've done this before I'll be okay and then when he left it was this huge gap and I was like oh my gosh it was just quieter and people are like you still have three kids at home it can't be that quiet and I'm like but he had such a big presence. And so it was, and we had to, what was our new normal? And one of the things we did is like, okay, we need new family traditions for the kids that are at home now, because I just couldn't even handle our dinner table because it was so only half full. Like I mm-hmm. actually end up going out and buying a round table and put it on our front porch because we can eat on our front porch because we live in Florida. Because <laughs> in that way, that table felt full if it was the five of us sitting there for dinner. Like it felt full and it was something, things to do there. And we just started like Wednesday night traditions and stuff like that. But even Chris and I were looking at it in the last couple of weeks is like, okay, our family needs a rule of life. Because our kids are going, the kids that are home right now are going in every di- different direction. And and we were just looking at some of the areas that they were not rooted in their identity in Christ and their experience. And we were realizing the voice of their friends was louder than our voice and the voice of the Lord mm-hmm. in some areas of their mm-hmm. life. That's real. And we're like, okay. okay. And we're like, that's on us. That's on us. That's not on them. Like mm-hmm. that's on us to create an environment. Like you have to look like at we're saying rooted, but you have to look at a flower. And if the flower is not growing, you need to change the soil and how it is planted and how like. And we're the ones that are supposed to create the soil. So actually, it's funny that we're doing this because it is a Tuesday morning. We're recording Wednesday night. We're actually we called a family meeting, and Chris and I came up with a rule of life for our family for this season. And we're just having a conversation with our kids so they can have suggestions also. So there's 
buy in. It's not like a dictatorship, like this is what we're doing. We want them to be able to have their own ownership. But I love even what a rule of life looks like because a rule of life means actually it's a trellis for the vine to grow on. So we're creating this trellis for them to be able to grow. Mm-hmm. So we're helping the root system and them to grow, but putting some things in the ground again. And like simple things. This is what our family prayer looks like. We keep it really simple. This is when family dinner is, but it's other things. The phones come downstairs at this time, da, 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 da. like all the different things that we need to do to see the areas that our children need to grow, but not just to grow for the sake of growing, growing to thrive. Mm-hmm. To like, what does it look like for them to have abundant life, our family to have abundant life? Heather, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the scripture that's been coming to mind recently in parenting has been not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And, Mm. you know, when I put that scripture on parenting, I was like, oh, my goodness, that's where I've seen the most fruit is when in my own parenting is when I haven't just been operating out of a place of myself, out of my own vigilance, out of my own striving, out of my own control, out of my own fear, like decisions based on fear, never good, you know, and I do that. I have done that in the past so much as a parent, and I'm I'm learning to let go. But it really is being led by the Spirit of God. I can't count the number of times that I caught a look on one of my kids' faces that I feel like the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and mm-hmm. said, you need to press into that, whatever mm-hmm. that was, whether it be a look of shame, whether it be a look of, oop, maybe there's something being hidden here, or a look of sadness, like they were hurt Mm -hmm. by something that I said or that I did or that maybe happened in their day. So I think like being aware of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit desires for our kids, because it's definitely not going to be, you know, my my hounding them about certain things or or whatever that's going to get them to change. Like only the Spirit of God can reveal Jesus to them and can draw them into relationship with the Trinity. And so, yeah, that's been like a huge lesson for me is like, don't just pay attention to my own, I'm I'm using air quotes, my own giftings, you know, <laughs> really all gifts come from mm-hmm. God, but to rely on what the Holy Spirit is showing me. So even when they were mm-hmm. little, you know, I think there's, there's a lot to listen to the Holy Spirit about. And there's a lot of like, you want so badly for your kids to know Jesus, for them to be good people, for them, you know, all of that stuff. And when they're little, sometimes we can take, I think, a bit too much on ourselves. And the pressure, it will crush us if we try to step into mm-hmm. God's shoes too much. So, so yeah. Anyway, the mm-hmm. Spirit of God leading has been a huge lesson for me. Gosh, I think there's so much probably stirring in people's hearts as they, as they listen to both of you and yeah, what that would be like. And then how do you go, like, how do you go back and repair those things too? Like, how do you go back and say like, oh, you know, sorry, kids, like just continue to give them the space to wrestle. Like I know both of you have said that as many times late at night, your teenage kids are like, hey, can I talk to you? And you're like, I want to go to bed. They only want to talk at 10 p.m. I want to talk at night. Oh my goodness. And you're like, I want to go to bed. But it's like that, you know, it's those moments of, of that moment of grace, like, okay, Lord, yes. Okay. Yeah. You want to talk? Let's, let's do that. Let's talk about what happened or let's, I noticed, yeah. Like you're saying, Heather, I noticed, you know, when we were talking today, I noticed that your face, you know, seemed kind of crestfallen, like there's something that you want to talk about, or Mm -hmm. I I mean, all of us need a safe place to have our hearts open. Like uh, we need a safe place to be able to speak about the vulnerable things and to, to be loved there. And I was, I was interesting. I was listening to, you know, the, 
March Madness, you know, we, we love, love March Madness. And I was listening to one of the kind of little documentary, like a mini documentary. And I believe it was the University of Miami basketball coach. And they're talking about that team. And they were talking about how he rarely, like the coach rarely yells at them during the game or he doesn't do that. And he said his philosophy, and he's an older coach and his kind of philosophy is how he's, you can tell he's just a good father to those guys. But he said, my philosophy is to train them in practice and then to trust them in the games. Mm. And he said, I don't need to be, training them during the games because we've already done that in practice. But he said, if we train when we're supposed to train, then we trust. He's like, I have to let them run with the game. I have to let them trust what they've learned and then their own style and their own gifts. And I just thought about that, like train and then trust. I'm like, that's one of the things God, Mm, I I think God trusts us with so many things. Like he, we're in the school of love. And then we have these opportunities where he he trust us. And I just thinking of how like, that's, I think that's scary. I mean, for people that I mentor, it's like, you know, in, in just seeing, hearing their hearts and seeing where they kind of fall down at times. And like, as a good spiritual parent, you want to pick them up and all that kind of stuff. like, but then there's part to that of accompaniment, but there's also the part of like trusting their hearts to the Lord and saying, well, Lord, you love them more than me. They're not my, like they're, they're given to you. You know, they're given to me by you, Lord, they're yours. You love them more. You have more for them that I could ever imagine. So I'm just going to trust that you're going to make this right. It's not up to me to do that. So I, I don't know, just kind of pondering that as well of like training then trust. That's so good. Yeah, I think it's, it is. That is so good because I think, and this is where I fall short. Like I want to train them and then uh, I'll trust them and then I'll take it back and I'll trust them. I'll take it back. Mm-hmm. Like even Heather was saying, like even the surrender, I put my children on the altar and then I want to take them right back off because I'm like, okay, not by might, not by spirit, but Lord, I can't, I can't see where you're working right now. Like, so here, I'll step in. Let me just step in. And that's where my like hypervigilance takes place. Like the area that for my childhood where I was wounded, I mean, Heather and I've said this before, not on our watch, you know, Mm -hmm, we feel like, mm -hmm. okay, but we can't be all places in all times. And I've even just learned in simple ways in the last couple of few weeks when the Lord's like, will you just surrender? these areas that you're so worried about in the middle of the night, like, or you're so this and that. And I am, I'm like literally, and I have to say that, oh Lord, I surrender this situation. I surrender this child. I surrender every child every morning, but it has to become a practice to me because I want to step in and be like Holy Spirit Junior in all these situations and like trying to figure out. And then realizing, you know, like Heather touched on it. Chris always asked me the question, are you parenting out of fear? Are we parenting out of faith? Like, what is that line? But it's also like our goal is to be able to launch them well. So what tools do they need to be able to be launched well? to be on mission, to be, and there's something about me that I just want to keep everyone close and don't go too far. And I'm just like, I see how the areas that they're naive and I'm like, oh my gosh, they just don't have a, you know, but, and it is, it's living in that tension because you want them to be full of wonder and you want them to be fearless and other, and then on the other hand, you want them to be prudent and be like, dude, you don't go to that neighborhood at 1230 at night. Are you freaking crazy? You know, like, um, but it's just that, you know, balance and leaning into that and trusting that, okay, like you said, sister, Lord, you love them more than I do. Like, that's one of my things, like, especially like when dealing with schools and education, it says the Lord will teach your children in scripture. I'm like, okay, Lord, you better teach them. <laughs> you figure out this school, you know, you better teach them. Mm-hmm. You know, what are your thoughts, Heather? Yeah. Just uh, going back to like that idea of abdicating our responsibility and authority. I think it's really important that we look at places where maybe we've done that because sometimes that's also where our fear can lead us. Sometimes it can lead us into like a further grasping after, and sometimes it can lead us into a place where we actually just slip away and life is just happening and we're letting it happen. So we're letting the culture raise our kids. We're letting TikTok raise our kids or, or we're letting their friends raise each other. It's like the blind leading the blind. And 
and our kids want to be led. Actually, they're they're not they're never going to say that, but that that is something mm-hmm. that they true. need. It's something mm-hmm. that they need. And yes, they need to have their freedom. Like that's a part of our faith. Like God gives us free will. That's actually very important that they're allowed to choose certain things, you know? And then there's some things where I'm just going to create the environment. It's like, I don't mean you get to choose whether or not you're going to mass. If you live in my house, that's not a choice you get to make. Like You're just coming with us because that's what we do as a family. But ultimately, yeah, they get to choose whether they're engaging with God on a personal level in the heart. I just have to create the environments over and over again. So there's certain things we've always said. We're going to be as a family around the dinner table as much as possible throughout the week. That's just, there's, that we will not let sports or other activities dictate when our family can connect with each other. So yes, they're involved in sports and yes, they've done things, but, but the dinner table is very important to us. And if we miss that time, then we have to make up for it at another time. You know, there's Mm. the family going to mass on Sunday, like I said, the sacramental life confession, you know, some of those things like, but as they were little, I think on an individual basis, like I would start to see the gifts of my children and I would throw out a whole bunch of different ways over the course of the year where they could engage with God. And then you start to notice what they attach to. So my youngest is Mm -hmm. an artist. She's going to see and meet God through nature, through beauty, through art, through Like there's so many things like that. So I would draw her attention to that as much as possible, which I've talked about on the podcast before, just like, oh, Eva, look at the mountains. Like, isn't it beautiful what God just made? Like, look at the canvas of the sky that he just painted up for us this morning. You know, you just like throw out little things to where she's starting to make the association. You say that enough as a parent, they will start to make the association over and over again. God did that. God Mm -hmm. made that. God wants us to, he's a beautiful God. He wants us to experience him in beauty. My daughter, Maria, she got a Bible from her godfather. She got into scripture as a young child, you know? So I just knew that was always going to be a way that I could draw her in or that God wanted to connect with her. And, and Judah had different ways that he was connecting to God. So I think it's paying attention to like, how are they responding even Mm -hmm. as little children to God? And I remember having a bunch of seminarians over one night and I said, how do you guys pray? And almost all of them said, I pray daily the way my parents taught me. All of them said it. It was really, really interesting. Now, maybe some people don't grow up in the faith, so they don't have that story. But I, it just drew my attention to the importance of the things that we teach them when they're young will likely carry through because it's repetitive and consistent. And I think that's really important, the part about abdicating. Mm-hmm. Jay Stringer, who wrote a beautiful, a really great resource called Unwanted on Sexual Healing. When I was reading this for just like seminary and stuff and all of that, he was saying one of the biggest things is parents abdicating the role about sex education. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking our friend Brian Butler, who does a great, he wrote Theology of the Body for Middle Schoolers and whatever. I was asking him, like, when do we need to tell the the kids about this, this, and this. And I loved his advice. He said, Michelle, if they're going to hear it from their friends before they hear it from you, you know, then you need to, you need to beat them to the punch. Mm-hmm. That first introduction needs to be you. Even if you think it's earlier than you would like, you know, like you need to make sure it's developmentally correct, sure. but like mm-hmm. you, and then it needs to be your voice. And he said, because this is the one area where, because it's not 
it's not the easiest topic to broach, like to come across and all that. I think one of the other big lessons I've learned in parenting, especially in the last years or two, year or two, is how to apologize well. Mm-hmm. And I'm still growing this to my children. All right, like I messed up here. Can you forgive me on this? And this is why I messed up, you know, and ask and telling them and and vocalizing when I've made mistakes, but say, I really need to grow or say, I really need to grow in this area and take an accountability for areas that I am falling short and vocalize that to them. And the one of the last things is asking them questions about their needs. Like mm-hmm. this has been in the last six months, I've really started this. I ask my kids that are not in my house, how can I pray for you this week? And what do you need me to, how do I need to support you right now this week? Is there anything I need to do to support you? And it's funny because at the beginning, they didn't even know. It's like some of them couldn't even like verbalize their needs. Mm. And then I ask my kids that are in my house, you know, like, how can I pray for you this week? How do you need, like, what makes you feel loved by me? Is there anything that I do that makes you feel loved or supported? You know, like, what do you need me to support you this week? Like, if you, especially my high schooler has a lot of stuff. What do you need me to support you this week? And it's funny, the first couple of weeks he couldn't answer. And now he's like, oh, I need this. I need this. I need this. And I was thinking to myself, like, if someone asked me that question, I don't know. what I probably say, I don't know what I need this week. (laughs) I would Mm -hmm. say the same thing, but it's identifying the needs and allowing us to meet and to love them the way that they want to be loved or supported because I can have my ideas of how I think I should support them, but Mm -hmm. it may not meet up with how they need to be supported. Mm -hmm. So those are just a couple of practical thoughts I thought of. Sister, what are your thoughts? Those are so, those are so great. Both of you. Thank you guys so much for that. And I, I think it's, yeah, just hearing him as you both share about your kids and then just my own experience of just mentoring people and just walking with people. And I, yeah, it's, I think it's so easy to assume we're loving people the way that they feel loved and they're not. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, it's exactly. like, you know, people have different love languages and what they need. And that was huge for me when people that loved me in my life said, how do you, how can I love you? Like, what makes you feel loved? Like what, what makes you feel supported? And, and it's true. I was like, Oh yeah, thanks for asking. And, or just people coming back saying, Hey, I'm sorry, I missed your heart here. I, I just, you know, and it's like, I've had to do that with people as well. So I think that's so important. And I, I just noticed like in the places where I've abdicated authority and asking myself later, like, why did I do that? A lot of it is because I was mm-hmm. afraid myself. I was afraid. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't know mm-hmm. how to have the conversation. I didn't want, I didn't know how to admit that I didn't know or that I'd made a mistake or that I was, it was hitting places of my own fear, my own little places. So I just pretended like that wasn't happening. And it's like, Oh, Okay, that's good to know. Good to know that I can when I see those places in me that I can like, all right, Lord, I'm afraid here. I don't know what's I don't know what to do. Can you help me here that I don't have to pretend, you know, and kind of like, you know, double down on something that's that's just a no self-defense mechanism of like of like, I, yeah, you know, I don't know what to do here. And I'm so sorry. I let's ask the Lord or let me find somebody who does because <laughs> I don't know what to do. Or, you know, you just think of, you know, even like the talk about sexuality and our masculinity and femininity as men and women. It's like most people, I did not have that conversation with their parents. Mm-mm. And I think Mm-mm. a lot of times parents, like, you know, as adults, like it, cause it hits everybody else's places. So it's like, what do you do? So I think if we could all come to admit to a place of like, all right, there's some things I can, I'm really well versed at and some things I don't. And I'm weak here, but I'm willing to grow. Like I'm Mm -hmm. willing to grow and learn. And I think that goes back to like, we just, we can't deny the deep need for our own personal healing. Like every Mm -hmm. single human person on the face of the earth, no matter how old we are chronologically, that we continue to allow the Lord to bring us into wholeness and communion because there's nothing that can replace that. And that makes us more Christ-like. That's the life of Jesus, of us coming into the truth of who, and that's what the Holy Spirit does, sanctifies us. It brings us Christ to birth in us and transforms us um, into Christ. And so that's Mm -hmm. the journey of 
all of us, every generation, no matter how old we get, no matter if we have biological or spiritual children, there's always people in our life that we're all interrelated. So those are just some final thoughts from me. I think like expressing a language of the heart with our children and recognizing what's happening in our own heart. Like I can think mm-hmm. of a number of times where I haven't been liking something that's happening in, in a relationship with one of my kids. And, and then out of my fear or out of my frustration, I'll start to have a negative tone or I'll start to nag them about certain things or I'll be short with them or I'll be, you know, because really what's happening is in my heart is, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm losing connection with you or Mm -hmm. I'm scared about what's happening or I don't know what's happening. And instead of talking about that with them, I just tend to react, you know, my emotions are just popping out and I'm like, oh my goodness, like that's a good, that's a good thing to pay attention to when your reaction to something isn't appropriate for the situation. There's something going on in your own heart. And so to do some excavating and I've learned that the better approach, I, I will probably never change my kids by nagging them, but the better approach when I come to them and I say, Hey, actually, this is what I'm thinking and feeling like, where are you at and what's going on? Or my relationship with you is so important. And I realize I might've done some things that have damaged that. Like, can you help me understand what's happening for you right now? Like what's going on with you? And that might take a few days for that to kind of come out. They're like, I don't know. It's like, well, would you take some time to think about it? And then we can circle back to this. It's like, I'm not going to let it go, but -hmm. I'm also not going to nag you about it. And Mm -hmm. I think those are really important. And sister, I would just love, like, I love the story of your mom and her prayer and the power of prayer, because I think as much as we're talking about practical things, which is important, like there is just this huge category of intercession for our kids that can bring things to fruition that our our works just can't. So I would love if you would just, as we close out here, if you just share a little bit about your mama and a mama's mm-hmm. prayers. Yeah, don't we? Yeah, we certainly, all three of us have mamas that pray for us, don't mm-hmm. we? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, my mom, I found out many years uh, after I entered religious life that my mother, uh, my mom's always been very devout and my dad converted to marry my mom and they, they were always very devout. We went to mass every Sunday, but when my parents met Father Pinto, who was a priest in our community, had a deeper like reversion to the faith and they started going to daily mass and like prayer groups and things like that. And so my mom is a warrior. She's a prayer warrior and she, yeah, I'd always prayed for my brother and I have an older brother who's like five and a half years older than I am. So, but I found out that, you know, at the height of my kind of high school, college life, my, my mom and I just kind of, we got into it a lot and her way of, you know, trying to, I think she was afraid. So her way of trying to kind of like double down on certain things. And I was you know getting very rebellious and we were not connecting and just, there's a lot of brokenness in my own life and a lot of secrets. And I found out after I made my first vows that my mother, my mom sat me down. My father had already passed away at that point. My mom sat me down right after the mass and she she reminded me of a weekend when I was in college and my parents had come to visit me and just, it was horrible. I remember it, it was very unpleasant and my parents were very disappointed in me and they were just not happy with me. And my, my parents, I didn't, I didn't know the rest of the story that, that after that weekend, my parents had gone home and my dad finally expressed like his disappointment in me. And for my dad, my was a sweet Southern gentleman, my dad, for him to finally express how disappointed he was, my dad was like really disappointed. And I was Mm. heartbroken. And my mom said after she heard my dad say that, my mom had already financially cut me off as a in college. She was angry at me. She would nag. I mean, she just had done everything. She'd threatened to disown me. My mom had just Mm. had enough of me. After my dad said that, my mom just got out of bed that night and she went down to the basement in our house. And in our basement, we have a beautiful statue of our blessed mother. And that night, my mom got on her knees. Mm-hmm. And she gave me... She gave me away to Our Lady. And she just knelt before 
our blessed mother like mom to mom and just said, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't help my daughter. I can't control her. I can't heal her. I just, I give her to you. Like I just give her to you as your daughter. And I pray that you would take care of her because I can't do this anymore. And I'm 800 miles away in college. You know, I'm an active alcoholic, pretty much living with a second guy. Like my life's a mess. And unbeknownst to me that my mom began to fast and pray to become a nun. <laughs> and, you know, here I am today. And I, I know that's like in its own way, a miraculous story. The mom didn't even tell me until I entered religious life. But mm-hmm. I, I just want to affirm the power of praying moms and dads that you may or may not see the fruit of that, the side of heaven. And that's not the most important thing, but that God hears your prayers. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that, as we know from St. Monica, and you know, there's nothing that can stand in the way of a mom or dad who just has a heart poured out in prayer and continues to sacrifice. So I just, I just want to say thank you to my own mom and just for that love, but also for all of you who I know have prayed years and years and years, years and years. And, and as you continue to offer up the small things that only Jesus will see, like there are some things that you offer up that only mm-hmm. Jesus knows. And those are important to him. And so I, yeah, I'm just here because uh, many ways because of my mom poured out for me. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. That's so beautiful. I love yeah. that And the story. other thing that I'm hearing in what you're saying, sister, which I can recognize in my own life, like as you were saying, here's all the horrible things I was doing and I was very far from God. And I went, oh, shoot. Yeah, I've been through those times where I was very far from God, too. And I made a lot, there was a lot of sin in my life and there was a lot of devious behavior and lying and hiding and all of those things. And look at what God has done. Like he's a merciful, powerful God who can heal and restore people. And there's hope there. So like for parents who have kids that are struggling or maybe that are making bad choices right now. And I've had this fear with my own kids. Sometimes they've made some bad choices as we all do. And I go, oh no, you know, and I can kind of freak out inside and, and this is where the Lord has just said, will you let me be their savior? Will you let me reveal mm-hmm. my love for them, my mercy for them? And sometimes you, you can't, well, there's just things that God does with brokenness that we can't mm-hmm. fathom, you know, that what he can bring out mm-hmm. of broken parts of the story. And, and everybody that I know who inspires me has had a hard road and there's been things that have gone sideways and God has come through. And so that's the hope for, for kids who are a bit off the rails, who might be making bad choices, that God is bigger than all of that. And his love for them is even more than our love for them. So Michelle, what are your final thoughts here? No, I think that's beautiful. I think there is the power of a praying mother, praying parents, but a power of praying mother. That's one of the most powerful forces in the world. I think, you know, there's mothers, you birth babies with your bodies, but I also think you birth them spiritually mm-hmm. through our prayers, through our fasting, through our sacrifice. And so it is a both and. So we need to give them the practical tools, and then we also have to give the spiritual tools mm-hmm. also. But it's also a gift. I'm always just amazed that the Holy Spirit allows us to co-create with us these little souls, that we get to do it together. And so, Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. The beautiful, messy thing of parenting. Mm-hmm. It's really so true. good. Amen, ladies. Amen. All right, friends. Well, do you want to talk about our one things for the week? Michelle, you want to share your one thing with our listeners? Okay. Sister Mary Marty used this as one of her one things, but just in full disclosure, we're still, we're, I mean, we're recording this before Easter hits. And mm-hmm. so we're about to go into the final four of March Madness. Mm. Like, I am loving March Madness this year, like with the all the different knockoffs and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. in the men's March Madness. But 
for the first time this year, I've really gotten into the women's March Madness basketball. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell the women, I am so sorry it has taken me this long to discover <laughs> you all. Y'all are amazing. I am completely obsessed with Caitlin Connor and her three-point shots. Like, I mean, she's just she's amazing. Good, dude. And so, yeah. oh, dude, she is amazing. And I love it that she had this ama- like this most amazing game and that all these huge NBA stars like LeBron James, Steph Curry are all commenting on this girl and saying, wow, she's one of the best in the game. So talk about her feminine genius. Go, girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sister, what about you? Uh, My one thing for the week, speaking of parents, I want to give a shout out to Jason Everett. Jason and Kristalina Everett, uh, they have eight kids. (laughs) And Jason Everett has been speaking in public for probably over 25 years. And he's gone all over the world. And he speaks about chastity. He speaks about the restoration, the human sexuality, theology of the body. And it's just amazing to see how he continually responds to the needs of the time to be able to give a heartfelt, honest, relevant discussion to people. And he has a new book out on the transgender kind of movement in society and gender theory, and it's called Male, Female, or Other. And that in combination with his recent podcast interview with Matt Fratt on Pints with Aquinas, I want to recommend both of them. Jason's honesty, his humility, his truthfulness is stunning. And it's, he wrote the book to be able to give people a language to kind of understand what's going on and also to be able to respond in truth and also deep charity. And I appreciate like, even in the, in the interview, if you listen to the interview, he just talks about how people confronted him at different talks that he gave and things he didn't know. And he said, I don't know yet how to address that, but would you pray for me? Like, would you please pray Mm -hmm. for me that one day I can be able to address that in truth and charity? And so I just appreciate his, yeah, his continued humility and openness. And I think it's going to be helpful for you as well as we kind of like, how do we respond to these things? And there's so many different ways we can respond, but what's the way that Christ is inviting us to respond? So Mm -hmm. his website is called, it's chastity.com. They've got tons of resources on there, but his book, Male, Female, and other, and also his recent interview with Pints with Aquinas with Matt Fred. So it's just outstanding, really great. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So humble. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Yeah. Well, my one thing this week is John Paul II's letter to families. Mm. I think it's just a good, it's obviously been great out for letter. a long time. But if you've read it before, I just want to encourage you to read it again. Or if you haven't read it, check it out. It's free online. We'll put the link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us, dear friends, and happy Easter once again. And we get to live into this whole season. It's longer than Lent. The Easter season is longer than the Lenten season. So we are going to rejoice and just allow the Lord to continue to bring us to life in every way. So until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend and leave us a review? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one things, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful coffee mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of the content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Body Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can 
can make donations of any amount through the Patreon website, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier for you. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member, and you will receive bonus content every month such as recipes, music playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information at patreon.com slash abidingtogetherpodcast. Thank you so much, and God bless you.